Hey guys, my name's Andy. It's a real uh, privilege to be with you this morning. Uh, I'm going to be sharing this morning from Luke chapter 4, really famous passage of scripture about the mission of Jesus. And just before that, just uh, let you know about a couple of things. Uh, over this year, I don't know how your year's been. <laughs> I found it really hard. Um, but one of the things that's come out of this year is under the kind of the unreached banner we've been able to put a lot more stuff together for people that are interested in uh, cross-cultural mission and reaching the nations as part of our family of churches. So just a couple of things to let you know about. Uh, we're doing our Unreached conference online, uh, 25th and 26th of June. Uh, you can sign up on our website, unreached.network, and there we'll have uh, lots of different people sharing uh, news stories. So if you're interested in cross-cultural mission, uh, it, just hearing stories, praying, being involved, uh, in reaching other nations for Jesus, uh, then I'd invite you to connect with that, the Unreached Conference, 25th, 26th of June. And the second thing uh, under the Unreached banner is we're launching a cross-cultural internship uh, this year in September. And it's a one-year internship, uh, you know the deal, kind of taking a year to do some practical stuff and uh, some study as well, but really around the whole thing of uh, crossing cultures. So you do a placement in a UK church, you also do an overseas placement as part of the year as well. Again, check it out on our website unreached.network and see maybe there's someone here today that you just think that's exactly what I want to do next year is this uh, cross-cultural internship. Uh, so as you will have already picked up, uh, one of the things that's uh, really dear to me, as I know it is to you, um, is mission and reaching people with the gospel of Jesus. And so we're going to look today at Luke chapter 4, some would call it Jesus' manifesto or the Nazareth manifesto, when Jesus kind of announces what he's come to do. And this affects us in two ways. It affects us because this is what he's come to do for us. So it's Jesus' mission into our lives. But then also it's us being caught up in his mission. So what he's called us to do. So whenever we look at Jesus' mission, it's both. It's what does Jesus want to do in my life? And then it's also, and how does Jesus want to use me to do these things in other people's lives? So God said to Abraham right at the beginning, I'll bless you and you'll be a blessing. And so it's both. So for some of you this morning, what you're going to hear is what Jesus wants to do in your life, his mission to you. For others this morning, what you're going to hear is what Jesus is calling you to do in other people's lives. And as a church, uh, I'm praying that you hear both of these things from this passage. So Luke chapter 4 from verse 16 to verse 30. We're going to go verse by verse. And um, here we go. When I was little, I lost my football in a thorny bush. And it was a couple of years later uh, on a whim that I went back to have a look and think, oh, I wonder what happened to my football. And this is what had happened. The bush had grown around the football. The, 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 the tree had grown into the football and the football had grown into the tree and it was all absorbed and I couldn't get it out. It was like the bull was saying to me, I don't want to be rescued. I've made a home here. I am one with the tree. Uh, but I was determined uh, and so I got an axe and I took it to the bush and um, I wanted to cut the whole thing down. I, I wanted to get the football out of the tree but to do that I needed to get the tree out of the football and to do that I needed to cut the whole thing down and rip it out and prise the ball out of the clutches of the dead tree. Now when God sent his son Jesus into the world 
to rescue us from the clutches of sin and darkness. What Jesus found is that some people didn't want to be rescued. We'd grown into the world and the world had grown into us and we were quite comfortable very much. Uh, And so more precisely, some aspects of salvation seem attractive. Healing, forgiveness, answered prayer, uh, life after death. Yes, please. Who doesn't want those things? But other aspects of salvation, not so much. Oh, what God wants to deal with my pride. God wants to deal with my, uh, my, my love of comfort. Some of my prejudices. No, thank you. These have become a part of me. So much so that I don't even realise that they are a part of me. So people have always wanted a selective salvation. I'll have these things, but I don't want these things. Thank you very much. Uh, and, and the only solution was to cut down the whole tree, which is what Jesus is doing through his death and resurrection. Hallelujah. He's making a whole new world. He's bringing a whole new beginning. We say if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone dead and buried in baptism. The new's come, the brand new beginning, brand new world, brand new opportunity. Now, today in this passage in Luke 4, we're going to see exactly the same dynamic in play selective salvation people want some things from Jesus but other things make them angry and that's what we're going to look at so Luke chapter 4 and verse 16 and he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and as was his custom he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read so remember Jesus grew up in this uh, village Nazareth in the north of the country and um It's not a very special place. It's just a a small village. It's not mentioned in the Old Testament. It's not mentioned by any historians of the time. It's when God wants to change the world. He doesn't send his son to Rome, the capital of the empire, or even to Jerusalem, the spiritual capital of his nation. He sends him to the margins, to the poor, to the unimportant, to the everyday kind of people and, and that's really important if you want to change the world you don't have to be in the middle of things you don't have to be in London or in the halls of power you can change the world from where you are you can change the world from where God's put you and so that's important to understand um, Rene Padilla who's a, a Bible teacher from Ecuador in South America he says this I would like to suggest that this is not circumstantial that Jesus choice of this underdeveloped region of Palestine was an intentional option. In effect, it was an option for the poor. Jesus opted for Galilee because there he was going to carry out his ministry among the masses forgotten by the leaders. So it's not just circumstantial. God has chosen to send his son to live in this marginal, unimportant place. That's a part of God's mission. So verse 17, and then the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Now, a scroll of Isaiah was probably, it's a long book, it was probably about seven meters long. That's probably why he stands up to open the scroll because it's a, he's got to find the bit of Isaiah he's going to read from. And he reads this from Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed 
on him. So people love this passage, Isaiah 61. It was a really popular passage. It still is today. One of their favorite scriptures. It speaks about uh, the spirit of the Lord's going to come and there's going to be freedom and release and deliverance. And they understood this politically. Uh, they were oppressed by the Roman Empire. It was difficult for them. Uh, and so they were thinking, yeah, God's going to come and he's going to throw off the Romans and give us self-determination, give us our own independence. Uh, and, and so they're thinking of it in that way. And that's why they love it. And this this word, uh, liberty for the captives, uh, this word uh, freedom, liberty, is actually the same word as is translated in other places in Luke as forgiveness. So at the end of Luke in chapter 24, when he says forgiveness of sins will be preached to all the nations, actually he's saying uh, freedom from sins, liberty from sins, deliverance from the power of sin, rescue from sin. So it's more than forgiveness. There's a powerful setting free that he's talking about here. But Also notice what he doesn't say. In Isaiah 61, he says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the year of the vengeance of our God. Jesus doesn't read that bit. He stops before he gets there. Uh, So the way they would have read Isaiah 61 is there's favour for us and there's vengeance on our enemies. Jesus says, yeah, I'm declaring the year of the Lord's favour, but I'm, I'm not declaring vengeance on your enemies. And so Jesus says... I've come to rescue you from everything that that held you, that entrapped you. Even his name, the name Jesus, means God saves, God rescues, God delivers. So he reads this and everyone in the crowd is thinking, yeah, this is our favourites. We love this. Amen. Amen. You can imagine them getting all Pentecostal. And then verse 21. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So with a flourish, with a grand gesture, uh, Paul John Isaac, who's a preacher from Namibia, he says, perhaps this is the shortest and best sermon ever preached. The sermon is, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. God has come to do this. Amen. And they all spoke well of him, verse 22, and they marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, isn't this Joseph's son? He's a local lad done good. He's just the son of a carpenter, but look at him. Wow, they're so proud. He's from our town. If it was me, uh, I would walk away right there. Wow, everyone's marveling. We've had our dramatic moment. Uh, Exit with a flourish, mic drop moment. Got a whole load of new followers on Instagram. Boom, done it. At its most basic, Christianity is this. It's a religion of the power of God and freedom. Good news, be set free in Jesus' name. Be set free from the power of sin in your life, of the things that have been done to you, of your past. Be be liberated. But Jesus doesn't quit there. He doesn't quit while he's ahead. He probably should have done. He starts to also say some unpopular things, challenge some things that they don't want to be rescued from. In particular, he's going to start poking their racial prejudice. And in doing this, he goes into kind of prophet mode. He's read from uh, Isaiah the prophet. He's going to refer to himself as a prophet. And one of the things that, that prophets always did in the Bible is they poke at what is wrong and they they make people feel a little bit uncomfortable. 
And so the Holy Spirit is there to set people free, but also the Holy Spirit is there to, to poke people. Uh, my dog recently had a, a horrible infected abscess on his head and it was growing and growing. It was swelling. We could see it swelling day on day as the infection spread. And the more it grew, the more uncomfortable he became. But then one day we poked it and all this brown stuff came out and it kind of burst and then he felt so much better. And evil cannot be redeemed unless it's confronted. Jesus' strategy sometimes is to poke people, to say uncomfortable things, to see their anger and their resistance come to the surface in order to cut off its head once and for all. And that's what he's going to do here. And so, verse 23, he said to them, Doubtless you'll quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. We've heard what we've heard you did at Capernaum, do it here as well. In other words, healing people, doing miracles, doing wonderful things. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months and a great famine came over all the land. But Elijah was sent to none of those Israel widows, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a, a woman who was a widow. So he's saying Elijah wasn't sent to all the, the, the Israel widows. He was sent to a widow in Sidon, a foreigner. And there were many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha. And none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. So you know these stories from the Old Testament, from the lives of Elijah and Elisha. They were two great northern prophets. This is the north of the country now. So these are the like local heroes. They love these guys. But Jesus mentions their sort of unpopular moments when they reached out to foreigners, not just foreign, but traditional enemies of Israel, Sidon and Syria. And so these ministry moments show the inclusive heart of God, that, that God's mercy and his power is for all people, not just me, not just you, but people that we don't uh, normally connect with and even people that you don't like. But this makes the people angry because he's pressed on something inside them, their racial prejudice, their ethnocentrism, their pride. They had a selective blindness about those bits of the story. They're like Elijah and Elisha, but not those bits of the story, like we all do. They're they're racist and full of self-importance, and Jesus is trying to poke it out of them. So verse 28, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. A minute ago, they were marveling at him and going, whoa, what a guy, and now they're angry. Just in a moment, it's changed. And they rose up and they drove him out of the town and they brought him to the brow of a hill on which their town was built so they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Why were they angry? Why were they angry? Because he left off the vengeance verse. A national saviour is supposed to say, favour for us, vengeance for them. But Jesus has just said, favour for all people, even them. Jesus isn't, of course, a national saviour. Jesus is an international saviour. He's come for all people. Uh, So we see an almost demonic response, this anger and mob violence and attempted murder. Earlier in chapter 4, in the temptations in the wilderness, the devil tried to get Jesus thrown off the top of the temple. Remember? And now they're trying to throw him off a cliff. And yet there's a supernatural protection because his time has not yet Come, Jesus will be killed for the things that he said. He will be killed 
because he wants to welcome all people. He will be killed by his enemies, but in three years' time, at the appointed time, in the appointed place. Not yet. So that's the story. Uh, we've gone really quickly through these verses. But what does it teach us? And I just want to focus really on, on two things. Um, about Jesus' mission to us, firstly, and then secondly, about our mission to other people. And the first thing is this. There's no selective salvation. When Jesus talks about deliverance, freedom, rescue, everybody loves that. Yes, amen, the year of the Lord's favour. Yes, please. But when Jesus pokes other areas of their life, for these guys it's prejudice, their sense that they're more important than other kinds of people, deeply ingrained racism, and they say, no, thank you, and they get angry. So sin is stuff that's done to us, and it's also stuff that we do. So it's stuff that's upon us, that has power on us, but it's also stuff that, that is within us, that comes out of our hearts. We love it when Jesus saves us from sin that's upon us, you know, the year of the Lord's favour, deliverance, blessing, rescue, but not so much when he puts his finger on sin that is in our hearts. And Jesus said, the light has come into the world, but people loved darkness rather than light because their works were evil. So I tried to save my football, but my football didn't want to be saved. And Jesus came to save sinners. But sometimes we like bits of salvation, but not other bits. We like the easy bits, not the difficult bits. Are there things that you want to be saved from? Even right now, let the power of God come. Freedom from addictions, from difficult situations, answered prayer, powerful breakthrough. We speak freedom in Jesus' name. Um, I feel actually there's someone here this year, one of the things that's happened is you've just become quite dependent on drink, on alcohol. You hadn't really noticed it, but it's happened over this year and you've started to become aware of it as lockdown unlocks. In the name of Jesus, be free. Let, let God put his finger on it, set you free. So we love those things. Amen. That's part of the gospel. But I wonder also, are there things that you don't want to face up to, that you don't want to wrestle with. When you have unexpected anger or a strong reaction to something, where did that come from? Or avoidance of an issue. Why do I feel so strongly about this? Why is it swelling up in my heart? What is Jesus doing in me? And so the first thing is this, there's no selective salvation, friends. You come to Jesus, He's going to save you from stuff you want saving from, but also from stuff that you don't. Be open to his salvation. The second thing is this. We have been given the same mission. So David Bosch, who's a South African uh, guy, and you'll note that I've quoted from a few different people from different countries. I think that's actually even part of this story is being open to other people, other perspectives. And David Bosch, he says this. In this passage, we see three crucial missionary motifs. The centrality of the poor and other marginalized and oppressed groups. Secondly, overcoming vengeance by forgiveness and peace. And thirdly, moving beyond the confines of Israel to the Gentiles. These three motifs constitute a charter for the church today. Or to phrase it differently, what is important to Jesus, according to these verses? What did he come to do? What is being a Christian, a member of his family, all about? What is the church, your church, my church, what is the church supposed to be focusing on? 
these three things. The poor, the marginalised, in other words, issues of justice in our communities. How can I stand up for the disadvantaged in my context? Think about your job, your work, your school, your college, your neighbourhood. In every space that you are in, there are people with more power and people with less power. People with more opportunity and people with less opportunity. People with more agency and people with less agency. How can you move towards the margins, focus on the powerless, move towards the poor and the disadvantaged and those with less opportunity? Issues of justice is a massive part of the church's calling and it's a massive part of your life and my life. Some of you, uh, I feel, have been feeling, asking these questions, wondering those things, even in your town of Hailsham. And um, I feel like today the Lord is just pressing the, the green light, the go button. It's like in Formula One, where they have the kind of five lights that come on and then the race starts. And there's maybe been four lights that have come on and you've been waiting for the fifth one. And this is it today. The Lord is saying, do it. Move towards justice. Run into these things. It's triggering some ministries even now amongst you. The second thing, the second missionary motif here, thing that we're called to do, is this focus on forgiveness of sin, release of sin, peace making, forgiveness and deliverance, freedom. And I think the question we should be asking is, how can I live as a free person? Are there sins that you need to bring to Jesus for him to set you free from in a fresh way? How can I bring freedom wherever I go? How can I bring life and joy and and, and, and make people feel that freedom from God. Only free people, free people. And so know his freedom and then spread it around. Forgive people. Be quick to forgive. Be, be quick to make peace with people. Are there people that you need to make up with? Are there relational bumps you've had this year during lockdown when you've not been able to sit together that you need to move towards people and, and, and fix those things? You know, if you've got a problem with someone, your tendency is to move away from them but the best thing to do is to move towards them and be frank and open and honest and fix relationships. And so the second thing is this thing, release from sin, freedom. And then the third thing is that it's for all peoples, it's for all different kinds of people. And so the question we need to ask is how can I make friends with people that are different to me? And, and the answer is, it's around hospitality, it's around welcome, it's around moving towards people, it's around friendship and warmth, it's around expanding your view of the world. Again, I've quoted from three different uh, Bible teachers from three different countries today. You should do that. You should read books from different places, watch TV shows, expand your world. Expand your world. One of the things that's happened during this year of lockdown has been everyone's world has got a little bit smaller, a little bit more local, and we need to make sure that we don't get trapped into parochialism and thinking that everybody thinks the same as us. Expand your world. And so that's it. And um, uh, I hope that's blessed you. Just as a way of finishing, uh, I'm just going to read these verses again, this declaration. And... Um, I'd invite you just to repeat each line after me. Uh, maybe you want to stand, maybe you want to open your heart to the Holy Spirit. And um, this is what Jesus has come to do in our lives, but it's also what he's called us to do in other people's lives as well. So repeat after me, please. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
the Holy Spirit, Spirit of wisdom, Spirit of power, come upon you now in Jesus' name. Because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Know his anointing and move towards the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Live in the freedom of the grace and the love of God and bring that, bring it into your family, bring it into your workplace, bring it into your neighborhood, bring freedom. Right now, God's giving you ideas, creative ways of doing that. And recovery of sight to the blind. Receive the grace to open people's eyes. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. God bless you. Amen.